friends, and welcome back. Or if you're new here, welcome to After the Ever, your podcast dedicated to all things paranormal and macabre, hosted by yours truly, the Pumpkin Queen. It's good to be back. Hey guys, it's been a crazy few weeks for me, but I wanted to say a quick thanks to everyone who follows the podcast on Instagram and the continued support. A quick special shout out to The Wolfman, April Baker Thorpe, NHP 1967, and Sam Nightwine. You guys all constantly show love to the podcast. Thank you so much. That being said, let's get into it. On a quiet residential street in the small town of Villisca, Iowa, sits an old white house. In this particular neighborhood, The home seems to have a presence of its very own, and the outhouse in the backyard suggests that this house is not from the 21st century, but from another era entirely. A weather-beaten sign hangs from the decrepit front porch, which warns rather than welcomes. All these years later, this house and her secret continues to draw many visitors to her front door. Two adults and six children were found brutally murdered in their beds, and during the weeks that followed, life in this small Midwestern town changed drastically. It is the murder house. That's right, my spooky friends, we're diving down the Belisca X murder house rabbit hole. Let's get into some town history. Villisca is located in Montgomery County, Iowa, and in the early 1900s, this Midwestern town of about 2,500 people was flourishing. Businesses lined the streets, and several dozen trains pulled into the depot on a daily basis. In 1912, the town flourished so much, they built the only public-founded armory in the state of Iowa. The company that was housed there participated in the 1916 Mexican expedition in World War I and World War II, as well as the Korean and Vietnam Wars during World War II. But the town's accomplishments were short-lived due to the horrifically brutal event that occurred on June 10, 1912, at a home on 508 East 2nd Street. The event that took place was so profound, it gave the house its own name, the Velisca Axe Murder House. While several of Velisca's historic buildings have been since demolished, the Axe Murder House, as it's known, has been placed on the National Registry of Historic Buildings. When the owners, Darwin and Martha Lynn, returned the home to its original condition, the Lynns hoped that the renovations would bring a renewed interest in the mystery and somehow help Velisca heal her wounds. To this day, the unsolved murders remain a part of Velisca's past that continues to haunt its future. All right, let's switch gears here and get into some of the home's history and the victims of this unthinkable tragedy. The home itself was built in 1868 and Lot 310 became the property of Josiah B. Moore in 1903. Josiah, his wife Sarah, and four children made the house their home 
until their deaths nine years later. Josiah Moore was one of Velisca's most prominent businessmen. Josiah had been a resident of Velisca for 13 years and was employed by Frank Jones at the Jones store for nine years. Sarah Montgomery was born in Knox County, Illinois in 1873 and moved to Iowa with her parents, Mr. and Mrs. John Montgomery and her sister Mary in 1894. Josiah married Sarah Montgomery on December 6th of 1899 at the home of her parents. Sarah was 39 years old and the mother of four children when she was murdered in her bed. Sarah was an active member of the Presbyterian Church and led the Children's Day exercises on June 9th. Josiah and Sarah Moore had four children. Herman was the eldest of the Moore children, born in 1901, and he was 11 years old at the time of his death. It was said that Herman was quite a father's son and was often seen at his side. Catherine, born just two years after Herman in 1903, was 10 years old when she was murdered. Boyd and Paul were the two youngest of the Moore children, ages 7 and 5, at the time of their murders. There were also two other children who came to their demise on that fateful day, the Stillinger sisters. Lena Stillinger and her sister, Ina, were the daughters of Joseph and Sarah Stillinger. Both girls were born on the Stillinger family farm just outside of Villisca. Ina was eight at the time of her death. Lena was 12 years old. After the murders, the house remained in a state until 1915. Over the following 90 years, the Villisca Axe Murder House had seven additional owners. The Villisca State Savings and Loan Company owned the home from 1963 to 1971. In 1971, the house was titled to Kendrick and Vance, only to be retitled a month later to Darwin Kendrick. Mr. Kendrick remained the name on the title until the house was sold again to Rick and Vicki Sprague on January 1st, 1994. It was only a few months later that the real estate agent approached the now current owner, Darwin Lynn, in hopes of interesting him in buying the property. The Lynns owned and operated the Olson Lynn Museum located in the town square. It was said that Darwin originally lowballed an offer on the property, and he was more than a little surprised when the call came just before his offer was set to expire. The lowball offer was accepted, and he became the proud owner of one of most notorious crime scenes in the country. After Darwin and his wife Martha recovered from the shock, they began their journey to restore the home to its original condition at the time of the Velisca Axe murders in 1912. Upon my research, I found that using old photographs, the Lynns began renovations in 1994. Work on the home included the removal of vinyl siding, repainting, the removal of the front and back enclosures, the removal of all electrical and plumbing fixtures, 
The pantry in the original house had been converted into a bathroom and that was also restored to its original condition. The Lynns even used information from the testimonies given to the grand jury to place the furniture in approximately the same place it occupied at the time of the murders. If that's not commitment to preserving history, then I don't know what is. Well, it's also pretty creepy. Yikes. All right, then in 1998, the Moore home, a.k.a. the murder house, was added to the National Registry of Historic Places. The tours of the home include a very colorful narrative of the time period of the house. Okay, we've talked about town history, some of the home's history, talked about the victims. Before we get into the crime itself, a quick warning. This is pretty horrific and gruesome. The crime documentation includes graphic details of the crime and the crime scene itself. So if you're squeamish or just don't want to hear all of this horrible stuff, you might want to fast forward. On June 10th, 1912, the old white house at 508 East 2nd Street became a grisly crime scene of a heinous unsolved murder of the Moore family. Based on the testimonies of Mary Peckham and those who saw the Moores at the Children's Day exercise, it's believed that sometime between midnight and 5 a.m., an unknown assailant entered the home of J.B. Moore and brutally murdered all of the occupants in the house with an axe. Let's go through a timeline of events starting June 9th. Lena and Ina Stillinger, the daughter of Joseph and Sarah Stillinger, left their home for church early Sunday morning. They planned on having dinner with their grandmother after the morning service, spending the afternoon with her, then returning to their grandmother's home to spend the night after the Children's Day exercise. The girls, however, were invited by Catherine Moore to spend the night at the Moore's home instead. Prior to leaving for the exercises, Mr. Moore placed a call to the Stillinger home to ask permission for the girls to stay overnight. Blanche, who was Lena and Ina's older sister, told Mr. Moore that her parents were both outdoors, but she would pass the message along to them. The Children's Day program at the Presbyterian Church was an annual event that began at approximately 8 p.m. on the evening of June 9th. According to witnesses, Sarah Moore coordinated the exercises. All of the Moore children, as well as the Stillinger girls, participated. Josiah Moore sat in the congregation and the program ended promptly at 9.30. The Moore family, along with the Stillinger sisters, walked home from the church. They entered their home sometime between 9.45 and 10 p.m. The following morning at approximately 5 a.m., Mary Peckham, the Moore's next-door neighbor, stepped into her yard to hang the laundry. At approximately 7 a.m., she realized not only had the Moors not been outside, their chores had not been done, but that the house itself seemed unusually still. Between 7 and 8 a.m., Mary Peckham approached the house and knocked on the door. When she received no response, she attempted to open the door, 
only to find it locked from the inside. Mary placed a call to Josiah's brother, Ross Moore, setting into place one of the most mismanaged murder investigations ever. Upon arriving at the home of his brother, Ross Moore attempted to look into the bedroom window. Then he knocked on the door and shouted, attempting to rise somebody inside the house. When that failed, he produced his key and found the one that opened the door. Although Miss Peckham followed him onto the porch, she did not enter the home. Ross went no farther than the room off of the parlor. When he opened the bedroom door, he saw two bodies on the bed and dark stains on the bed sheets. He returned immediately to the porch and told Miss Peckham to call the sheriff. The two bodies in the room downstairs were those of Lena Stillinger and her sister Ina, close friends of the Moore children. The remaining members of the Moore family were found in the upstairs bedroom by City Marshal Hank Horton, who arrived shortly after receiving the call. Josiah Moore, age 43, Sarah Montgomery, age 39, Herman Moore, age 11, Catherine Moore, age 9, Boyd Moore, age 7, and Paul Moore, age 5, as well as the Stillinger sisters. Every person in that home had been brutally murdered, their skulls crushed as they slept. The Scene of the Crime Once the murders were discovered, news traveled quickly in a small town. As neighbors and curious onlookers converged onto the house, law enforcement officials quickly lost control of their crime scene. It is said that up to a hundred people roamed through this house gawking at the bodies even before the Villisca National Guard finally arrived around noon to cordon off the area and secure the home. The only known facts regarding the scene of the crime were as follows. Eight people had been bludgeoned to death, presumably with the axe left at the crime scene. They had all been asleep at the time of the murders. Doctors estimated the time of death as somewhere shortly after midnight. Curtains were drawn on all of the windows in the house except for two, which did not have curtains. But those windows were covered with clothing belonged to the Moors. All of the victims' faces were covered with bedcloths after they were killed. A kerosene lamp was found at the foot of the bed of Josiah and Sarah. The chimney was off and the wick had been turned back. The chimney was found under the dresser. A similar lamp was found at the foot of the bed of the Stillinger girls. The chimney was also off. The axe that was found to be belonging to Mr. Moore was found in the room occupied by the Stillinger girls. It was bloody, but looked like an attempt to have wiped it off was made. The ceilings in the parents' bedroom and the children's room show gouge marks apparently made by the upswing of an axe. A piece of a keychain was found on the floor in the downstairs bedroom. A pan of bloody water was discovered on the kitchen table as well as a plate of uneaten food. The bodies of Lena and Ina Stillinger were found in the downstairs bedroom off the parlor. There was a blood stain on the inside of Lena's right knee and what the doctors assumed to be 
a defensive wound on her right arm. Ina was sleeping closest to the wall with Lena on her right side. A gray coat covered her face. This is horrific, guys. Ugh. Makes me sick. Over a hundred years later, the Velisca Axe murders remain a mystery. It's important to realize in 1912, fingerprinting was a fairly new venture, and DNA testing was unimaginable. It is said even if the crime scene had been secure, the evidence would not have provided any real clues. There was no central database of fingerprints, so even if any had been recovered, the murderer would still have to be apprehended for any type of comparison. Over the years, residents of the home reported visions of a man with an axe. They've heard children crying and unexplained paranormal activity to them. And some visitors of the house say that the house itself seems to be speaking to them, even long after their tour. A summary of a personal experience at the Velisca Axe Murder House by Pat Bunsen of Wisconsin. Pat's first visit to the Velisca Axe Murder House was in June of 2009. Pat says as far as paranormal activity goes, this house comes through loud and proud. Over the past few years, Pat has accumulated many EVPs from this house, both live and residual. Pat reports feeling cold spots in the house that had no explanation. And based on the personal experiences and a gut feeling, Pat believes the spirits of all eight victims still dwell within that house. What happened in that house in June of 1912 was a tragedy. It was something that should have never happened. The last creepy fact I found on VeliscaIowa.com is on November 7, 2014, Robert Lawson Jr. injured himself by stabbing himself in the chest during a visit to the house. Actually stabbed himself in the chest. Then he was life-flighted to Creighton University Medical in Omaha. Yikes. This is crazy. Visits by paranormal investigators have provided audio, video, and photographic proof of paranormal activity. Tours have even been cut short by children's voices, falling lamps, moving ladders, and flying objects. Psychics have confirmed the presence of spirits dwelling in the home, and many have actually communicated with them. Skeptics leave believers, and some people say that the house has this feeling that will stay with them for years to come. As far as this crime being publicized goes, there's a 2005 film by Aries Works Entertainment called Haunting Velisca. Published books include Velisca, the true account of the unsolved mass murders that stunned the nation by Roy Marshall, and also Morning Ran Red, a historical fiction novel based loosely on the Velisca murders by Stephen Bowman. Well, my spooky friends, that is all she wrote for today's episode. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening to today's story. 
If you want to help support the podcast, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow me on Instagram at After the Ever. Please don't forget to swing by the show website at AfterTheEver.com so you can find the Contact Me page. If you have any listener stories or even suggestions for a future episode, I'll post all the links in the show notes below. Thanks again to my spooky production team for all their personal links to their artwork and music. Check out the show notes. Thank you all again for listening today. Look out for the next episode. So until next time, stay spooky, my friends. And to the wolf man, ow!